Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles. They are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title. But unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show 
that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself. As Yahweh Elohim, this is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai. And he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, 
to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be 2 Timothy, the third chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon to everyone. And let us all bow our hearts and minds and thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who has seen fit to bring us together one more time. And we are so appreciative of the things that Yahweh, you have done for us through your son, Yahshua the Messiah. We're so thankful that we have been given this opportunity and this knowledge and understanding that you've bestowed upon us due to your great love for us. And we know we didn't deserve it. We know we can't earn it. We're just grateful for the fact that you have bestowed your mercy and your grace upon us. Right. And we are eternally grateful for that. We just ask that you make yourself more, make us more conscious of that ever presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. We ask to always be as conscious of that as possible. And just be grateful for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us and that we should never forget what you're doing for us and where we have come from. And all these things we ask you for and we're thankful for in the name, the most holy name of our savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, class. Tonight, I'll be reading 2 Timothy, the third chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Traina of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. 2 Timothy, the second chapter, or the third chapter. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of Yahweh, having a form of worship of Yahweh, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. 
For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, Yahweh delivered me. Yea, and all that will live in fear of Yahweh shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Yahshua the Messiah. All the scripture that is given by inspiration of Yahweh is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of Yahweh may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Second Timothy, the third chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry and Dr. Bruce Geller. And this afternoon, we'll have a three-speaker format, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class and Dr. Felicia Smith from our Dallas class. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Felicia Smith from our Dallas class. And I'll be helping Dr. Volpe read. Good afternoon, class. Good I afternoon. Am, yes, I am so overwhelmingly grateful to just be able to be a part of this assembly. I, being made to realize more and more every day, just who Yahweh Elohim is and the marvelous work that he has done in my life, see. I, I'm still always afraid, brethren, to even speak after coming out of the other camp, as most of you understand what I'm saying, I always am afraid to mix what I heard for so many years in with the true gospel of Yahshua because there is a vast difference. And I'm being shown every day how vast that void is, that gulf between what I listen to three times a week, trying to be obediency, trying to do what the Holy Spirit instructed me to do was to come to class, 
to be there, be on time. And when you're there, pay attention, see. So I'm still, even after hearing what I'm hearing, I'm shaking in my boots because I'm being brought face to face with Yahweh Elohim, who is Yahshua. And he's making me understand what he did, see, that twice dead, not just one, being brought out of the church, see, where I was adamant about what I thought and what I understood. And then being brought out of that, those hundreds of people in my family who still are in Christianity, see, the one that he called and allowed to hear his voice out of all of these hundreds of people. I mean, there were 13 of us guys and everybody got 4.5 kids and they got kids now. And it was so many, he called my name. So I was brought out of there. And then I came into the school and I was so happy. So readers, I'm gonna need y'all to help me out. I think it's over there in Amos when you fleed from a, flee from a bear and ran into the house and, and leaned on the mantle and a serpent bit you. So what I'm sharing guys is from my heart. I can't say, I don't have, I don't have, I can't lay claim to anything. First of all, I want y'all to understand. That's why wherever somebody is and whatever they're talking about and whatever they think or believe, I listen because you do, somebody needs to hear where you are. So, the, so then the Holy Spirit can then come down and then the other, speaker, excuse me, reader get, go down there to Exodus seed. And while y'all are getting that, let me rehearse the matter. See, this teaching came about as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to one man. See, that's extremely important. One man, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. Now, keep in mind, this man was just like me. He was in a church somewhere reading and doing the best that he knew how to follow holiness or righteousness, just as I was doing. And Yahweh Elohim chose this one man, see, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. And keep in mind, most of the people, of course, on here were not even born during that time, unless you read or watch things. You don't even know what was going on during that time. But this was a time in America where there was a vast gulf between races, social economic conditions, whatever your name was or not. He chose this man who was nobody in the world. So he didn't have a thing to accredit to being anybody. But Joshua follows the same pattern. See, every time he showed up in the body, he did not come, was not born into kings and queens, did not have a lineage of hierarchy. He came low. He says, low, I come in the volume of the book, see, to do my father's will. So then this man, Kinley, was nobody, you understand. So I have, and I'm a, I, I'd like to share things so you can understand. I come from a sharecropper, you understand? Even when people were doing well, we were still in the South and my dad was a sharecropper and we had absolutely nothing, nothing. We barely survived. But that man and woman, based on what they understood, told us, to have faith in God. That's all they understood, see? And they shared with me, and from a young age, I wanted to know who this God was, and who is this, I don't know where he is, but I wanna understand who this is that y'all are talking about. So throughout my life as a teenager and growing up, I continue to ask questions, within, I didn't ask nobody else, see, I didn't have that kind of courage, but I asked within myself, are you real is what I asked. 
this God that I didn't know anything about. Are you real? I wanted to know. See, and he said to me, showed me, brought me into the school and proved to me that he is real. And not only that, that I'm the one who created the heavens and the earth. I'm the one that brought every man and woman, boy and girl that ever came to the loins of a woman. I'm the one that brought them forth, you see. And I'm the one who's speaking to you through these vessels that you're hearing. Blood, water, spirit, token of 40, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. I'm the one that's proving to you that I am not only the creator, but I am your savior. Read that first scripture for me. All right, someone put it in chat. Thank you very much. That's Amos 5 and 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of Yahweh. To what end is it for you? The day of Yahweh is darkness and not light. As if a man, go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Keep reading. Oh, I'm sorry. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of Yahweh be darkness and not light, even very yeah. dark and no brightness in it? Yes. See, and the Chicago Symposium, those of you who are there, as well as those who are able to listen in, what Yahweh Elohim has done, in Dallas, he said to you, to us, what age and dispensation are you in? Do you know where you are? Is what he asked you. And then he brought you the next few months to another conference that said, what is the wrath of Yahweh and how do you escape it? See, these conferences, symposium are not happenstance, folks. He's causing it all to be and allowing it to be. And then he's the one who's speaking, you understand. So he asked us a question. Do you know where you are? That's agents and dispensations. Then he asked us, do you know, look, what is my wrath? What am I saving you from? See, in the church, he was saving us so we could follow in his footsteps, you understand, and we could proclaim our righteousness based on what we thought we understood. But nobody ever told me ever that he's saving you from his own wrath. That will make your head spin, you understand? That he is providing salvation while he's yet on the mercy seat so you can escape what she just read in Amos. That look, we come into this school from wherever we came from. Some of us from churches, some of us didn't even care anything about God, period. We weren't looking for anything, but he yet and still called you. And now he's qualifying you so that that spirit in you is going to be the messenger here at the end of the age. See, understand, brother, you're the only voice in this world that can proclaim the Yahweh salvation. So then if you are still yet taking it lightly, I would advise you not to, to stop today. You need to recognize that you're an army. He has given you a commission, and that is to, he using your voice, you're just the speaker, your vessel, see. Somebody said, well, I don't like that. I'm the one that's saying this or that. That's fine, but what did you know before you came in here? That ought to answer you about what it is that you have to say. See, you didn't know anything about it. You didn't come up with it. You are not the originer, originator of it or the finisher of it. So it would just behoove us to just sit down, see, calm down, forget about what name we have, what office we have, how long we've been in here. And hear what Yahshua was saying, but see, because when Yahweh comes up off that mercy seat, 
He just told you in Amos, why are you looking forward and hastening it? It's not a day of light and it's not a day of joy. That wrath of Yahweh, see, there's no more mercy. And he's going, according to his own dictates, going to show wrath because they don't believe. You understand? They do not respect him, won't even call him by his name. And even those in, of us in here, we so busy. And I, I'm going to call it straight, just busy bodies, talking about stuff and people and what they did thousand years ago. And let me tell you about this. I shut everybody down. I don't care nothing about none of that. I'm only concerned about eternal life. Because see, I messed up every way it was imaginable to mess up in this life. And I don't want it to be the same way, see, in the next age. Read the next chapter for me, the next verse I call. Where was it in Exodus you wanted me to go? Go down to what Yahweh says, and I am come down. So I rehearse it, and then I'm going to let you drop down to eight, right? So then Yahweh Elohim, in creating his purpose, he took on or transmuted into a discernible shape and form of a man without flesh and blood. Now keep in mind, this spirit, Yahweh's not a man, folks. He is spirit, just like he said. And he is so high that you can't begin to comprehend. You can't reach to that state. So then in his infinite wisdom, bringing forth his purpose, he took on a discernible shape and form of a man without flesh and blood, see? And this shape and form, see, Yahweh being, Dr. Kelly put it, he always preached so plainly and simplistic, abstract, intermediate, concrete. H2O is the best example that I've seen yet to understand how Yahweh is and actually exists using a woman 119 and 20. Next, uh, I'm going to get you to read Exodus, but I need the next vessel, the scripture reader to get, go over there and get Romans 119 and 20. See, because this is our theme song. When I used to sing in this group, they would allow you to sing an A selection, a, a B selection, but you could sing a theme song and everybody was trying to show who they were and they could sing better than the next one. So everybody had a theme song and you were known by that song. You sang it every time. So in this school, our theme song is Romans 1, 19 and 20. But go ahead and read. Yahweh Elohim called this man Moses. See, this man was raised in the kingship. This man was in the kingdom. I mean, he's in there, right? He didn't come the same way that most of us have come. See, he was there, not by birth, but by adoption. And they were pointing up to the Gentiles that Yahweh Elohim brought in, see, by promise. So this man is not the birth child or the blood relation to Pharaoh and the daughter, but he was adopted and brought in to be in this kingship uh, degree. This man understood what was going on in the kingdom, knew what was going on, knew who was who. So that he called this man by name. This man was an Israelite, see? And he knew that he was an Israelite, you understand? So this man is brought in and he is called out. See, he was created for that purpose, see? He wasn't just created to, to be there, sitting over there, talking to eating, eating pomegranates and whatever they were having over there. This man was brought in for the purpose of Yahweh, see? So that he called this man, this man was raised up in Pharaoh's household. You can say the daughter's household, however you want to put it. But this man was raised up to be a prince, you understand? He's high and he's lofty in his estate. So this man, see, was told by Yahweh after he killed the man down there, see, he had to follow the purpose. Now, somebody said, that's a terrible thing what that Moses did. Looked like to me, he would have just stayed where he was and not been all down there trying to 
harm people. But according to the purpose of Yahweh, this man got to come from his high and lofty state. He got to come down, you understand? And he going to come down and be there with his family, his brethren, his kindred. He saw one of them being mistreated and he killed that man, you understand? And he hid him in the sand and then he fled. So then after 40 years, see Moses, 80 years old, out there on the backside of Mount Sinai, and Yahweh calls him by name, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here am I. And he said, look, Moses, I am Yahweh, the Elohim of thy fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. See, he letting him know who he is. He, see, Yahweh does that. Yahweh is very methodical, see, and intelligent in the way that he operates, see. He's not held to skelter like I can be sometimes. He's very methodical, and he's giving this man something to look at to understand who it is that's talking to him. So he goes on to tell Moses his name. He said, Yahweh, the Elohim of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, see, I'm the one that's speaking to you. He said, take the shoes from off your feet because where you stand in this holy ground. And y'all in the school for a while, y'all know what's hold is in the, in the holy place of the tabernacle pattern. See, I'm going to throw this in. There's no way that you can understand who Yahweh really is without the tabernacle pattern. That's therefore when people try to throw it out, say that it's old and antiquated and are you still down there talking about that pattern and those witnesses one of the vessels in chicago said this it'd be like a man that's on trial for something and he killed all his witnesses the night before that is not what he's always doing he is not going to take away the witnesses that he has set up you understand so come on down to eight and read what i just rehearsed thank you exodus three and eight and I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians mm -hmm. and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, stop right there. So that is what your commission in this army is. You are the voice, see, the only voice that anybody will hear in this dark world, you understand? to say, to proclaim the name of Yahweh, and you're in a place in time where you're proclaiming the day of Yahweh that he talks about over there in Malachi, you understand, where he's about to come up off that mercy seat and he's going to show the entire creation that he brought forth that I am Yahweh and there's none else. I'm Elohim and there's none like me, see, declaring the end from the beginning and the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. See, he's not asking us whether he should do this or not. Somebody was like, I don't understand. What is he mad about? What, what's really going on? Can we just know? He brought forth the creation for a purpose. It is not the first time that he did this, folks, but this is the, the last time in this realm you understand in this series of ages and dispensation the next age you will get to go back into that kingdom that i mentioned before where you have an immortal body folks is it not worth it to lay down your life is it not worth it to give up what you think you're doing to even stop talking about what's going on with you and how somebody doing you wrong yeah are we persecuted all the day long. Do we have illnesses and ailments and things going on in this physical body? Yes, we do. But is it not worth it, folks? But what he has shown you, he's already shown you the kingdom. He said, 
I've already brought forth the kingdom. He told those disciples, look, look, the kingdom is here. If you see the father, if you want to see the father, he said to them, have you, don't you see me? Here I am standing right before you. I am the father and I have prepared a place for you. But where was he when he was talking? This man was yet and still in the physical body, walking around on the earth plane, telling them about something that they had never heard about. Somebody going to resurrect from the dead. You understand? But did he not do it? And if you don't know yet, he will do it in you, see, according to his purpose. He's not lost one. I remind people all the time. Everybody's going through. People got, they, they finding out they got cancer, children going astray, finances disarray. Everything is out of order. But yet and still, we hold fast, just like the prophets did, just like the apostles did, just like the ones in the, the 120 in the upper room. They were not the same folks, see, that went up in there terrified, running from their lives. When they, when that Holy Spirit manifested on the day of Pentecost, see, those, look, they were, they had the Holy Spirit and he does have courage, see. He is able to stand when everybody else say you're wrong. And that's where you are. Read the next scripture for me. The Romans 1, 20. Thank you, thank you. So before she reads it, we are following a pattern. Yahweh has a purpose, pattern, and plan that he's operating, you understand. And he's not going to deter from it. You know how you may plan your day out where I'm going to get up, I'm going to have coffee. I got to go to the post office. I need to go buy sprouts. I need to do this and I need to do that. And then I'm going to go work out. But before the day's over, some of those things have not occurred, you understand, because this came up and that came up and you weren't able to meet what you had planned. But that's not how Yahweh's operating, folks. Nothing is out of place. No one's out of place. Nobody's doing anything that they ought not to be doing or saying anything you understand. You need to understand that there are two mysteries. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I want to get these children of Israel out of Egypt, see? So the next vessel can continue from there. So go ahead and read. Romans 1.19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh, mm -hmm. hath, for Yahweh hath shown it unto them. Now, I have a question to ask you. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing, see? Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, see? Now, what did he actually manifest and who was he manifesting to, see? He had Moses, when he came down from that mount, see, I'm going a little bit ahead. He had him to, uh, it, a tabernacle, she was made. And he told Yahweh, do it this way, this way, this way, this way. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell among you right there in that tabernacle. And that's just a type and a shadow, folks, of where he dwells even now. Nobody doing anything. Yahweh Elohim is the one. If the Now, listen now. If the Holy Spirit be in you, he's the one driving the car. You understand? If you are still yet under the dictates of the other one, then you got another one driving the car. But don't you know that Yahweh is able to kick that driver out you understand and he will do exactly what he intends to do in that house he says get out of this house and he everyone and whatever was in there before they got to go see and they cannot come back you understand that don't mean that the thoughts don't come and and, and you saying within yourself you want to go back to egypt that happens all day long with everybody you are not the only one you understand 
well, I, something went on and I, I, what I understood how to do this before that I need to do that again. No, you follow what it is that you've been shown on the page in the Elohim books and the transcripts in your own conscience, you understand. We understood what was right and wrong before we came to the school. I talk to people all the time and they say, well, I'm thinking about, I say, stop right there. You knew what was right and wrong before you came in here. So we don't need to discuss any of that, you understand. So Yahweh had put this thing. He manifested himself in the midst of Israel. See, holy place, most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. Seven step, three compartments. And the vessels went over so beautifully, see, in Chicago, where we are in time. I'm not going to get into all of that. So going back down here to Moses in Egypt, this man was making excuses like we all do. He, I can't talk well and I don't know. The man was scared. He's like, I, I'm going back down there. And last time I left, this last I knew, it'd be like the court system. Somebody got a warrant out for you for murder and you're supposed to go walking back up in there in front of the judge. Now you ain't even going in the corner. You're going to walk in front of the judge talking about here I am. The man said, wait a minute. You, I, you want me to go back down there? And he said, yes. Now you told me you can't speak well. I'm going to send Moses. Aaron, a question that you ought to ask yourself, how did Aaron get up out of there? They were slaves, you understand? So then his brother meets him. They go back down there and see Yahweh got a purpose he's operating. Yahweh's going to show out. You understand? He finna proclaim that I am Yahweh and there's none else. He sends 10 Davis playing plagues down there, you understand? These people had heard about El Shaddai. They didn't know him by Yahweh. Abraham knew him as El Shaddai, as El Shaddai the Almighty Provider, you see. So they had heard about this Yahweh, this Elohim, I would say, this El Shaddai. But when Yahweh started showing up, put yourself in those people's place. Let's say some stuff started happening tonight in the United States that you ain't never seen. Them folks like, what is he talking about? And I, I, ain't, I ain't doing that. I don't even want to hear none of that. I'm going to keep building these uh, bricks without straw and keep my head down. But Yahweh insisted, go down and get Hoshea out of Egypt, have I called my son, see? So what Yahweh was doing, see, this whole thing has been about a family. It's been about a father, you understand? Of course, he took the bride out of himself and brought them back together to bring forth offspring just in the physical realm. That's not how Yahweh has to do a thing. He don't need no, no, nothing external from himself, see, to bring forth the creation or anything. He's alone and by himself, you understand? But then he's going to show forth his nature, how he operates, how he really is by bringing his creation forth threefold, operating, see, as a unity. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Yahweh, see, is a unity, you understand? And he's one. And the whole thing about this teaching is about Yahweh being a unity in his name, one, you understand? Read that scripture for me. In Hosea? Yes, Hosea. It might be 11 and 1. Yes, when that's it, good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you reading. Thank you. Um, when, it, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Yeah, he didn't say he called 603,550 out of Egypt. He said, I call my son and that's the role that you're playing and he's called you, you understand? Now keep in mind, Yahweh Elohim, who is Yahshua, is the head. You're not the head, you're not. If he's called you into his body, just like your physical body, 
the brain is what dictates what's go, what goes on. You have all kinds of illnesses out here, cerebral palsy, all kinds of different illnesses where the brain, there's a disconnect between the brain and the body. That's not how we want to be. It's like somebody singing out of tune in the choir, you understand? We know what this song is and we know how to sing in key. Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, these three are one. Romans 1, 19 and 20, because that which may be known in Yahweh is manifest in them because he's shown it unto them. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this world, word, it's because there's what? A bunch of light in them? There ain't no light in them. I don't care who's talking, how long they've been talking, how much reverence you give to them. If they're not going according to what has been laid down, you're out of key and you're out of tune. And that don't mean that you can't be brought into key, you understand? But you need to, you got to pay attention to what, what's, what the notes are on the page. It's about Yahshua the Messiah, it's not about us, what we're trying to do, what we're thinking about, you understand? So let's go back down here. These children of Israel, these plagues are brought upon the, the first three upon everyone. The last seven are upon the Egyptians and Yahweh showed out. At the end of the day, he said, you either let my son go, I'm going to kill your son. Now, keep in mind, he had already fought in Pharaoh's heart. Don't you know anybody in their right mind would have let them folks go about the fourth or fifth place? They would say, look at here, folks. I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is, but y'all can get up out of here. I won't see y'all no more. But he said to them, look, he would, every time he wanted to let him go, Yahweh hardened his heart because he got a purpose. He's operating, folks. You see what I mean? This man probably would have chosen with good sense, any kind of sense to let them folks go. But Yahweh said, uh-uh, I'm gonna proclaim my name that I am Yahweh and there's none else. So that death angel, we're in that time. See, they took out a lamb on the 10th, see, Abib, the first month, we were right in that time. They took that lamb out. They had to examine that, man, that lamb to make sure it had no spotted blemish. Had to hold that lamb over, you understand? That lamb got to be killed on the 14th you got to take the blood of that lamb, strike it on the top of the upper door post, two side posts, dip it from a basin. That is prefiguring or pre-shadowing the real one that's going to come in, the sacrificial lamb of Yahweh, which is really himself, you understand, that death occurred or salvation came forth when Yahweh came forth. That's the lamb, see, him coming from that high and lofty estate, being pure spirit, you understand. You can't even comprehend it other than what he gives you in the Romans 19 and 20, even now. So then this high and lofty eternal spirit law comes into a shape and the form, see? He gives the definition of himself, see? He calls himself the word. Don't every word got a definition? The tabernacle pattern is a definition of the word with Yahweh Elohim. Can you see that? Every word that is spoken, see, he has defined it. He's defined it by himself, see? So then he comes forth, brings forth the creation, puts that man in the garden, puts the spirit in him. That man is animated, takes that woman out. And just like any good story, you get those characters on the scene, you get them on there quick and you start that controversy. As soon as they're on the scene, they got 40 years, a 40 day period according to Moses' vision. And then we got to get the controversy going. Every movie you've ever seen, think about it. You put those characters on the scene, you give them a name, you give them a little bit of a backstory. And then you start that controversy off. You ain't got no good story, see, if everybody's sitting by the river fishing the whole movie. So you got to have a controversy. Oh, here comes that adversary, see, that was already kicked out, that one third that we've talked about a thousand times. This adversary has now been kicked out of, it's like being put out of the house from the parent. The parent said, look, here, I ain't even going to put him out. Tell the other 
other siblings go over there and just get him out of here and the rest of them out of here too and, and shut the door. They can't come back. So they understand that they can't come back and they don't intend for you to go back either. You know good and well. The reason you see all these different religions and stuff going on because there's division among even them. You know they upset that they even got put out and followed who they follow. You understand? They all understand now you ain't going back and they don't intend, listen folks, listen to me close. They do not intend for you to go back either. And they will use it in the any means necessary, including yourself, to keep that from happening. So let's go back down there. Children of Israel come up out of the land of Egypt. They score the Egyptians. They're going to take all them folks just throwing stuff. Get out of here. Everybody, somebody dead in every house. If you can imagine that in the United States, if it happened tonight, somebody the firstborn and they are now laid out. You understand? So these people come up out of here with great substancy. They got what is needed. Listen to this. They got what's needed to build a tabernacle, but they got what's needed to build a golden calf too. Not only one, but two. Can you see how this is occurring in your life every day? We make everything more important than Yahweh Elohim. I got to do and I need to do. And, and so-and-so said, folks, I say, drop it. Let it go. I don't care what it is. Let it go. Your thoughts, your opinions, your concept. He's given you a new heart. He's shown you. He's, he's playing the part of Caleb and Joshua. See, before they went over to Canaan's land, said, we, look, you can take it. Is it going to be easy? Are they going to just let you walk on through singing Kumbaya? No. The, even the thoughts that are coming to you all, all day long, it, it, they ain't really good. You understand what I mean? How do I know? Because I'm living it, suffering daily, see, but holding on to the promise of Yahweh, see. So these children of Israel come out here. Yahweh gives them three days. It was the third month, like the, uh, the, the first month, the self-same day, you understand it. June, the third month, the self-same day, June the third. Month and day the same. Yahweh says, he proposes to them first. Y'all understand if y'all got married before, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And you see what I did already. You, you know how a man does to a woman. This is what I do. And this is what I can do. And, and you know, hopefully you can appreciate that or whatever. So then he tells them, look at what I did. I brought you out on eagle's wings and I, and I parted the Red Sea for you and I did this and that. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the rules of the house. See, that's what the law is. So then I need you to clean up. Don't come against your wife. Go over there and see, see y'all ain't going to marry no dirty bride. See, so that's a type of the shadow. Go over there and clean up, wash up and come and present yourself here at the mound and I'm going to speak to you. So chopping it up real good. He spoke down the law and he married them. And now Yahweh said, and they said, all that Yahweh said, we will do. And it wasn't even a good 40 days later, <clears throat> they done went out there and was messing around with Jody. You understand? Five minutes, Dr. Smith. They built that golden, thank you. They built that golden calf and was dancing around it, talking about this be the L or this be the God, see, that brought us out of Egypt. And Yahweh, like he always does, see, now, keep in mind, ain't nobody surprising him because he got a purpose that he's operating. The first law that he gave, he wrote on it. And the next one, he said, Moses, you bring these stones up, bring your own heart up, which is what he's doing to you in your day today. I'm going to write, I'm the pen of a ready writer, he says, let me write my law in your inward man. I'll give you... 
I've given you my heart. So he gave it to Israel and you were adopted. Like I talked about with Moses being adopted, see a brought in. The Gentiles were adopted and brought in, see, according to the promise given to Abraham. But he said, bring your own heart up. Bring those stones up, you understand. And I'm going to write my law in your inward parts. Get me Jeremiah over at 31 and I'll be done. But brethren, look. I don't lay claim to nothing. I ain't did nothing right in this world. But there's something now that I can hold on to with that Yahweh of salvation. That's all I have in this life, in this world, you understand. And my endeavor is to share that love. See, at the end of the day, everything we're talking about, it's about that Yahweh so loved the world, see, that he gave his only begotten son, see. And it has not changed that whosoever what? believe and Dennis has put it Dr. Volpe has said he got to give you the heart to believe you understand you can't do it on your own you understand he has to do that but he has already done it it's already done folks it's already accomplished and you just walk in the steps of it Jeremiah 31 31 and I'll be done Jeremiah 31 31 behold the days come saith Yahweh that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith He was God. a good husband unto them. Some of y'all have good husbands. It'd be like you having a good husband. And you bring another man baby back three or four times. And the husband said, come on in. You and the child, come on back. Come on back. Now, there's going to be some repercussions, but you can come on back. That's what he did with Israel. You understand? Until the point where he's going to make, put his self in them. He's going to be one with them. And so he ain't got to worry about them building no more idols. Idols. And that's what's going on. Idols, see, they got something called American Idol, and people be clapping and idols, see, all these things that we have in this world are some type of idol, days of the week, somebody's gods, and you know, we all have to abide by it. That's what's set up. But he's called us out and said, Come out, my people, come out of her. That's in Revelations, you understand. Be a chaste bride with oil in her lamp. You don't want to be caught. Without oil in your lamp, that would be the Holy Spirit in you. That'd be like a child being born and no breath comes, no life ever comes forth, see? He's given you all that you need. Now, I would just like to thank you. I want to thank all of you and tell you how much I appreciate everything that you do, the dedication and the love you've shown in this school and in this teaching all these years, whether you've been here one day or a thousand years, you understand? I thank you from the depths of my being, see, to say that thank you for upholding Yahshua's name. Thank you for preaching the gospel in spite of what was going on in your natural physical life. I thank you and I love you for it. I'd like to say hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Smith. And our second speaker this afternoon will be the dean of our Green Bay class, Dr. Andy Verkaterin. Like to say hello every to everybody and hopefully they can hear me with that. We can. Just wanted to say I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the first speaker, Alicia, and it was a 
indeed a pleasure to actually meet her in person for the first time in a long time in Chicago. I actually got to sit down and spend a little time with Felicia, which was a great pleasure to spend any time with any brethren throughout the Institute. Um, uh, what I want to do is pick it up with the scripture reading. We'll go right there and we'll work with a few things and uh, mention a few things that Felicia was working about, uh, talking about believing in your heart and stuff like that. So let's start reading at the scripture reading at one, please. Second Timothy 3, 1. Mm -hmm. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now we're talking about the last days and we're talking about perilous times and it doesn't take a rocket scientist nor do you have to be a member in this class to see we're in perilous times. I mean, we're talking about right on the edge of potential World War III. Um, so, I mean, obviously everyone is very concerned about what's going on in the world and plus you have a pandemic going on as well. And here China is struggling with some pandemic things right now and major lockdowns and things like that. So. We're definitely going through some perilous times, but anyway, go. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, mm -hmm. unthankful, unholy, mm -hmm. without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Now, I mean, all that stuff's going on. We could take our time and work with each one of those words, but obviously that would be homework to look each one of those up and see how they apply to what's going on in the world or in class. Go ahead and keep reading. Traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of Yahweh, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it from such turn away. Mm -hmm. Now let's drop down to verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner now of life. I was talking about people who have partially known his doctrine. No, he's talking about people who have fully known his doctrine. And the doctrine is a body of principles, meaning it's a body of information that is understood. For example, if I said the doctrine of, of Yahshua Messiah is that uh, there's no salvation in any other name but the name of Yahshua, that is a doctrine of Yahshua, because there is no salvation in the other name other than the name of Yahshua. And that is commonly believed. For example, when we were in Chicago, I had everyone stand up that believed uh, the name of Yahweh and everyone in the room was standing, except for someone who was a first time visitor, which I feel really bad about. But anyway, everyone in the room was standing because we are a body of people that have the same belief in the name of Yahshua, as far as that being precious and the only name for salvation. Then I asked everyone who believes that there is an old covenant and a new covenant to remain standing. And everyone that believes that, uh, you know, I, I gave a whole bunch of things and nobody was sitting down, if, if people remember that were there. And that just goes to show there's a body of principles or a doctrine that is commonly understood by so many people. Now there's a few little details people might struggle with as far as that goes, but the main principles of this doctrine are commonly believed uh, you know, throughout the members, which I would call the body of Yahshua, member of the body of Yahshua, because if you think Kinley's your savior, obviously you're not in the body of Yahshua because Yahshua is your savior. That's the way I see it. 
But anyway, uh, we have fully known the doctrine and manner of life. And go ahead, read. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and patience. And we've been working with a lot of those words recently. We've been working with uh, no, we've been working with doctrine, we've been working with manner of life, the purpose, we've been working with faith recently, long-suffering, and love, or charity, or love, and patience, all these things we've been working with on various classes throughout the last, you know, year, but go ahead and read. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, Yahshua delivered me. Mm -hmm. Now, Yahshua delivered us from anything. If We can't take credit for coming out of anything on our own. It's Yahshua. He's the one that delivered us from anything that we're delivered from. But go ahead and read. Yea, and all that will live godly in Yahshua the Messiah shall suffer persecution. Mm hmm but evil men and seducers shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast but been continue of. thou in the things which thou hast learned. Now, we have learned a lot of things in the school. We should continue in the fact that we know the name of the creator is Yahweh. We've learned that. I didn't learn that in the world. I learned it down in this class. I learned that the name of the Savior is Joshua. Now, I'm not saying Yahweh and Yahshua are two different entities. Yahshua is Yahweh in the body, manifesting as salvation. Um, you know, we're not talking about two different deities. Here. We're just talking about the name of the Father, which is Yahweh, and the name of the Father in the manifestation of the Son is, all, is Yahshua, so it, which means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh is liberation. But we need to continue in those things that we have learned, read. Uh, continue the things which we have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We've been assured of those things and we knowing of whom we've learned them. None of us has stumbled onto this teaching on our own. And the bottom line is all the things that we have learned and all the things that we believe and all the things that we embraced and know to be true we can't take credit for any of it mm. um heck before i came down to class if you would have asked me to go look for the truth i couldn't open up the yellow pages and find a number to call the truth or nor could i pull out a map and figure out where to find the truth or you know any book is you know the truth where do you find that it, it, it you know and it, it came Yahshua found us. We were lost. We couldn't find him, but, you know, he found us. Mm -hmm. Now, the very first name of the school has some neat um, things that it does for us. Uh, the, the theme in Chicago was, what is the wrath of Yahweh and how do we escape it? Now, there's examples of wrath throughout the scriptures, and you can get the major example of wrath when Yahweh was... Um, um, unhappy with mankind at the time of Noah and the flood, he destroyed the entire world with a flood and saved eight souls. And by the way, I just saw the movie Noah. That was really not good. Uh, biblically, very, very inaccurate. As a matter of fact, um, the movie of Noah, um, 
he had a dream and his wife asked him the next day, did you, did God speak to you or did you have a vision? And Noah said, I think I did. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's ridiculous. Our founder claimed to have had a divine vision revelation and he wasn't running around telling people that I think I had a vision. No, he said, I had a vision right. and right. a revelation. He wasn't mincing about it. And, and there's just so many inaccuracies within that story. It was unbelievable. As a matter of fact, when he had his vision, Noah already had two of his sons. He had um, he had uh, Shem and um, and and uh, and Ham already. They were already born. We know when he had his vision, his sons weren't born because we mm -hmm. can go into Genesis and show you that his sons weren't born till twenty years after he had his vision. So I don't want to get into that, but you know that movie was unbelievably <laughs> inaccurate. Mm -hmm. It just it just goes to show how in Christianity, they, they just really don't see, they just don't understand the purpose of Yahweh. They don't understand the principles, um, uh, you know, the, it, it, I, I don't even want to get off on that. But anyway, go ahead. Um, let's get the uh, second Thessalonians, that universal revelation. Second Thessalonians, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm using my computer. So just, Andrew, if you have it, go ahead. It's not moving for me. Okay, so, uh, let's see. Verse seven. Second or you can pick it up, maybe one verse if you want, that'd be fine. Okay, Second Thessalonians 1 and 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with... Elohim to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you mm -hmm. and to you who are troubled rest with us no when the rest is down here in his teaching in Isaiah 28 9 and 10 it says line upon line precept upon precept it says this is the rest where in where I cause the weary to rest and that's talking about there's comfort and rest knowing the law prophecy fulfillment knowing the line of blood or the line of water or the line of spirit all these things we get into the basics of this teaching showing how there's an example in the law there's an example in the prophets and an example in the fulfillment and fulfillment and so forth but go ahead and read okay uh and to you who are troubled rest with us when yashua the messiah shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua, and that obey not the gospel of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Now the wrath that Yahweh poured out there at the time of Noah destroyed all life except for that which was within the ark or the fish in the sea. But it did not destroy the entire world, meaning that the world and the water and the mountains and everything still existed. It was just underwater. And then when you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, he poured out his wrath with Sodom and Gomorrah as well. And to this day, they cannot find <laughs> that city. Uh, it's been totally consumed. They can find information um, stating that they believe it existed, uh, but they can't find any like so proof as to exactly where it was and you know what i mean it was totally consumed but this particular universal revelation we're talking about we're not talking about 
destroying the world with a flood. We're talking about destroying the world with a fire. There's going to be nothing left, nothing left, no water, no mountains, no nothing. The elements are going to melt with fire. Everything will be dissolved and uh, destroyed. <clears throat> That's the wrath we want to escape. <clears throat> Not which, which is one that you don't want to be a witness of. You don't want to see it on a bad sense. And the only way out of that wrath is Yahweh is a consuming fire. <clears throat> and Yahweh makes his ministers as a flame of fire, which you can pick up in Hebrews uh, verse 1 and 7. Now, how do we become a flame of fire? It's when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. We're baptized in Yahshua, the Holy Spirit, who is fire, a consuming fire. That's what Yahweh is. And he makes his ministers as a flame of fire. And we know on the day of Pentecost that there was cloven tongues of fire above the men that were in the uh, upper room on the day of Pentecost. So the fire that he puts within us is causing us to have a, 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 a zeal. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is, let's get Romans 10 and 1. Romans 10 and 1. Mm -hmm. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Yahweh for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of Yahweh, but not according to knowledge. So he's bearing them record that they have a zeal of Yahweh, but not according to knowledge. And so in other words, and we can bear record, there's a lot of zeal in a lot of forms of religions out there, <laughs> Christianity and so forth. I mean, they got tremendous zeal. And if you look up the word zeal, one of the definitions is it's an ardent pursuit of something. Mm -hmm. An ardent. And you look up the word ardent, it means fiery or hot. So they have a fiery or hot pursuit in something, but it's not according to knowledge. But the difference is we also have an ardent or fiery pursuit of something. And our fiery pursuit of something is according to knowledge. And that fire that we have burning within us is a result of the Holy Spirit making us being baptized with the Holy Spirit fire, it's also making us become a flame of fire. Now, just as the high priest uh, in the tabernacle, he could not go in that tabernacle without fire. When he went to the tabernacle, he went into the daily administration, he would go into the holy place. But when he would go into the holy place, he could not go into that holy place without fire. He had to take that incensor with him. And he took the fires from the coals and put it in his incensor so he could put the incense thereof. And then he would take the incensor into the holy place. He did that every day, three times. He did that at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, noon, and he did it at three o'clock in the afternoon. And on the day of atonement, he had to go up into the most holy place. And he had to go up there with blood. And he also had to go up there with fire. He could not go in that most holy place without that fire or that incensor. Again, he took the coals from the in, from the altar and he'd take them up into the most holy place. So he went with fire in his ministration, the high priest, when he officiated in that tabernacle. So it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit is officiating as fire in us. And that is a, uh, like Nadab and Abihu with the wrath, they were destroyed because they offered up, it says in Leviticus 10.1, 
that they offered up a strange fire, meaning that they got the fire some, from someplace else other than the coals on the altar. And you can also offer up strange incense because that one you couldn't do either because you had to use the four main ingredients from the art of the pocket theory. You couldn't offer up that either. But in this particular case, it was strange fire. So in other words, they had the wrong fire. And it's the same thing with the Christians. They have a fire in them, but it's not according to knowledge. It's not according to the Holy Spirit. They're, even though they have an ardent pursuit of something, they're, they're missing it. In our ardent pursuit, we do have a zeal, but it is according to the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's also according to knowledge. And because that's going to help us escape that flaming vengeance that Yahweh is going to take on mankind for not knowing him. And not obeying the gospel. Now, if he makes his ministers as a flame of fire. Now, if you look up the word flame in that ministers of flame of fire, you're going to find out a flame is a flash or uh, a fiery. And that high priest, when he went into that most holy place with that breastplate, we always say that on his third trip, he went in there with the combined blood of the uh, goat and the bullock. Uh, that flash of the Shekinah, that flash, which is also what a flame means, that flash that came from the altar would bounce off his breastplate, and that would show how he would be a reflection of that flash or fire. So that fire hit the high priest in the chest, which would be a type of hit him in the heart. So that fire was burning in his chest as, as a flash, and flame means flash or fire. So here you went in there and you look at a gem. They say gems, they're lively stones, meaning they have fire. So there's a fire within a lively stone. And what we want is that same fire or that Holy Spirit uh, shining in our heart. We want to be conformed to the image of Yahshua and Yahweh, which is a consuming fire. So we, we would be safe from the fire. And the cool thing about a flame, if you look at a fire, you don't say uh, uh, a flame has many fires. You say a fire has many flames. A flame, he makes his ministers as a flame. And then if you have two ministers, that's two flames. If you have 100 ministers, it's 100 flames. If you have a multitude or a legion of flames, now when Yahshua is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming vengeance, because it's many flames of fire, that, that is going to consume this thing. And we don't want to be part of that as which being consumed. We want to be one of those flames of fire that would be, you know, you know, Yahweh's fire is not going to consume his own fire is what I'm saying. So if you want to escape that, you have to have the fire of the Holy Spirit in you. And the only way you're going to get that is through the foolishness of preaching because we need to be a recipient of that Holy Spirit and that fire. And that comes through the baptism of the name and the Father and the Holy Spirit. We get baptized in the name of Yahweh. We get baptized in the name of the uh, in the name of Yahshua and so forth. And we get to know a lot of things. Now that wrath is poured out on them that know. And another thing that obey not the gospel, the word obey means to follow. So in other words, you don't follow after uh, the gospel or follow the head. That would be an example of not obeying because obey and follow uh, have the self-same meaning. So if you're following the speed limit, you're obeying the law. If you're obeying the law, you're following, you should, I mean, you could flip them. And um, 
But anyway, the first aim of the school is what? Let's read the first aim, please. To help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Now, the very first aim is to help. I stopped at the word help. The word help means, well, first of all, did we really think we needed help to know our creator before it came down to class? I didn't. I thought I already knew God. Come down here to save my brother. But the very first name of the school is to help you. Now, that means that you need help to find and know Yahweh. You cannot find and you can know Yahweh without help. So the bottom line is to help. And the word help means to give assistance or support to someone to provide with something that is useful or necessary in achieving an end. Now, if you need to know Yahweh, if you need to find and know Yahweh, our as it really doesn't actually exist, what I want to say is you need divine assistance to do that. Mm -hmm. You need to be, be provided with something that is useful or necessary for you to be able to achieve that end. And what I want you to realize is Noah, before the end of that age, he got divine assistance and support by the creator himself to believe, to know, to be well-informed to all these things. Noah was given that help to be able to, and the founder used to say, you need divine help to see this thing and you need divine help not to see it. That's just the bottom line. And Noah got divine help to mm -hmm. see it. He got divine help to know it. And the fact that he knows that you can't believe something you don't know. So it all goes hand in hand. You can't, you can't like have one without the other. If you don't know, you're never going to believe. So the bottom line is Yahshua is our help mm -hmm. in all ways. He helps us know. He helps us find. He helps us believe. He does every one of those things because you cannot stumble on any of that on your own. Right. Now, so the first aim is to help you. Now, we already know that that would benefit you uh, immensely because universal revelation is to uh, avoid the flaming vengeance on them that know Yahweh. So the very first aim of this institute is protecting us from that. Now, we also know in John 17, 3, let's get that, please. John 17 and 3. Mm -hmm. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Sir, eternal life is to know Yahweh and, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. So that's, that's giving you eternal life. That's allowing you to escape the wrath because to know Yahweh is eternal life or also protection against that wrath. But now it's also a zeal. It's in your heart. Now, what I want to talk about a little bit is about belief, because there are people that can believe and fall away. What I mean by that is let's go to the parable of the sower and the seed, please. I want it in um, Luke 8, 
verse 5. Luke 8 and 5. Mm -hmm. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Mm -hmm. right. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Mm -hmm. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. Right. And other fell on the ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. Mm -hmm. And when he said these things, he cried, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he that hath ears, let him hear. And the bottom line is from a natural standpoint, if you've got physical ears, Yahshua made them. If you've got ears that can hear, meaning that inner ear, not a physical ear, because everyone's got physical ears, but that doesn't mean you're going to hear the gospel preached. We're talking about hearing with your inner ears. And those ears are also made by Yahshua. You can't take credit for any of that. So the bottom line is, again, he's the assistance that you need or the support you need to be able to even hear the gospel. Because, you know, how are you going to hear the gospel unless there be a preacher? Well, how are you going to have a preacher unless one is sent? So any way you look at it, it's also Yahshua is always the reason that there's a preaching, that he's the teacher in this school. He's the one that's allowing you to hear. He's the one that gives you the hear. He also gives you the heart to believe. Yes. Now, go ahead and uh, keep reading. And his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? Mm -hmm. And he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of Yahweh, but to others in parables. So here he's speaking to thousands of people. And, and even though they heard the physical words, they weren't meant to hear it. But unto the disciples, it was meant for them to hear it. Read. That seeing they might see. That and seeing hearing, they might see and hearing they might hear. Read. And hearing they might not understand. Mm -hmm. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Those by the wayside or they that hear. Then cometh the adversary and take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So here they hear the information and before they even a chance to try to believe, it's taken away from them. Read. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. Now here's some that have no root. Read. For a while, believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. So they believe for a while, but then they fall away in time of temptation because they didn't have any root. What I want you to see is that they were agreeing with the information, but they weren't. The belief was in their head. And when I was taught coming to school many years ago by Burbank Mitchell, and I know Dennis as well and some others, uh, have been taught, and Mitch used to always talk about what we get you to know. We want you to learn this teaching, but we want this information to travel from your head to your heart. Mm -hmm. Because when you believe in your heart, that is different than believing in your head. And mm -hmm. I want to say this, there's no way you can do anything in your heart. The only one that can circumcise your heart, the only one that can write anything in your heart is Joshua. No man can do it. No, you can't do it to yourself. It's Yahshua that performs the surgery on your heart that allows you to believe, that gives you a heart to be able to believe. You know, he's the one that's causing the whole thing. 
you know, we can agree with things upstairs in your head, but if you don't believe in your heart, it's not, there's no root in it. Because when you believe in your heart, you're committed to that, what you believe in your heart. Now, oh, I, I think we probably got just about five minutes left is my guess. Let's go to, um, you know, and it, and it goes along with, uh, we talk about, let's get um, mm -hmm, uh, Deuteronomy 7 and 6, because I'm going to run this quick line, because that's really about all the time I'm going to have. Um, but I'm trying to get you to see is that we have no problem understanding how we, we're here to help you find and know Yahweh. But, you know, that's in everything. That's not just finding him, that's knowing him. That's every part of it. It's, it's Yahshua that's helping the, us all the way through. He's helping us hear it. He's helping us see it. He's yeah. helping us find it. He's helping us know it. He's helping us believe it. He's doing the whole thing. He's just, he's just got us covered from top to bottom. He's taken full care of every one of us. And it's such a beautiful thing, you know, to give Yahshua all the glory and all the wonderful credit he deserves for what he is doing for each and every one of us. But go ahead and read what I called for. Deuteronomy Five minutes. Okay, thank you. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For thou art a holy people unto Yahweh thy Elohim. Mm -hmm. yeah, Yahweh thy Elohim hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people who are upon the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yahweh did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. Mm -hmm. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because Yahweh loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath Yahweh brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So it's real clear to see that Yahweh chose Israel. Mm -hmm. They're referred to as the chosen people, not the choosing people. And when I was in Christianity, they pushed down my throat for years that you have to choose Jesus to be your personal savior. And I'm telling you right now, that is not what Yahweh did to Israel. Mm. That is not what Yahweh did to his disciples. He chose Israel because he loved them and he swore an oath with his fathers. Mm -hmm. That was Israel. Now we go to the prophets because we tell you that everything has to be verified in the law and prophets. We go to the prophets in Isaiah 43 and verse 10. Isaiah 43 and 10. Mm -hmm. Ye are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen. Now before you continue reading, we know that Israel was also considered Yahweh's or witnesses to Yahweh. And they were also chosen that the priests might teach the people to know Yahweh. So the whole point is that they were chosen to be witnesses and they're also chosen to know Yahweh back there in the law. Now keep reading where you are. That ye may know and believe me. And now we'll pick that up again. Now you are my witnesses who... You are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen. That's clear. We don't have to change the word manipulating. That is clear, cut, and clean. 
You are my witnesses and my servants whom I have chosen, Read That ye may know and believe me. That you might know and believe. Not just know, know and believe. Yes. Yahweh chose you to know him and to believe. Mm -hmm. The first aim is to help you find and know Yahweh. And the belief that I'm talking about, Yahweh said, I will write it in your heart. I will put it in you. You can't write anything in your heart. He's the one that's writing the new covenant, the new testament in our heart, not us. And we need to know Yahweh and we need to believe in our heart. Now let's uh, uh, let's get it in the fulfillment. John, uh, I think 15, where Yahshua says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John 15 and 16. Go ahead. One moment, I'm sorry. John 15 and 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now, Yahshua is fulfilling. And now we're not talking about, he's fulfilling what's written in the Law and Prophets, but he's never stopped choosing his servants and his witnesses. He's always chosen, and he chose those 12 disciples. He said, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. And those 12 disciples that he chose were to know him and to believe in him. Now, go ahead and read that out, and then I also want uh, uh, the, the last scripture I'm going to want is Second uh, Thessalonians 2 and 13. But read that again, please, Felicia. I won't interrupt you this time. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you mm -hmm. should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That I wonder if the disciples didn't want to choose him. Hmm. That puts them in a pretty bad spot. But he makes it pretty clear that he is helping them find and know him as he really is and actually exists. Yes. And he's the cause and he's the, the reason. Now, we also know that before they received the Holy Spirit, uh, when he resurrected in Luke 24 and 25, they didn't recognize who Yash was and they're all bummed out because, you know, who, or, or our Savior is gone, right? But what did he say to, to them? All fools and slow of heart to what? Believe. Believe. Mm -hmm. They were fools and they were slow of heart to believe because Yahshua has not written the belief in their heart yet until Pentecost. That's when they believed it in their heart and that's when they were no more fools. Yes. Because it was now, now they got the fire of the Holy Spirit. They got the zeal according to knowledge. They got the fire. It's not a strange fire. It's the fire they need for salvation. Now give me the last scripture I called for and that would be sorry. Second Thessalonians 2 and 13. Now this but is we, after Pentecost. Read. But we are bound to give thanks always to Yahshua for you, brethren, mm -hmm. beloved of Yahweh, because Yahshua hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Now that's Unto after Pentecost. Yahshua's got us taken care of from mm -hmm. top to bottom. He is our divine help or assistance in all phases 
of this gospel. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Verkaterin. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the Dean of our Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Thank you very much. And I wanna say good evening to everyone. We hope that everybody is uh, getting something out of it. I think that uh, the first two speakers really made a number of excellent points that uh, you could expand upon if you chose to work with it. Uh, what I want to do is kind of carry on, but I want to go back to our scripture reading. So let's go back and start reading right at one. And I want to make a few points in the scripture reading that I think are crucial. 2 Timothy 3.1 This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now I don't think there's going to be any dispute that we're in perilous times both physically and spiritually. Now we know the world is just coming apart at the seams. That's obvious. But I want you to know that the devil also recognizes that time is short. And he is working overtime to try to cause dissension and try trying to uh, uh, separate us from the love of Yahshua. And we can't allow that to occur. And we have to learn how to do things that are in accord and what is acceptable to Yahweh and Yahshua. And we're going to talk about that a little bit further down. So we're in perilous times. Go ahead and read. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Now listen, Dr. Kinley talked about, and it's in one of the transcripts, how that the law and the prophets are our parents <laughs> from yeah. a spiritual standpoint. And therefore, uh, being disobedient to parents, now I'm not advocating that people from a natural standpoint, uh, children should be disobedient to their, their physical parents. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm trying to apply it also in a spiritual sense, sense or scenario under this covenant. Now we need to be obedient to what the founder told us to do. Yes. He told us to not teach anything from the floor that we can't go back in the law and the prophets and back it up. He said, you got no business getting up on the floor and saying anything or teaching anything that you can't back up in the scriptures. Now, the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, are not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Now, you're waiting for it. Or the transcripts. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying that you can't quote transcripts, you can't quote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul? No, you can quote those all you like. You still got to go back and back up whatever you say that you think that those things are saying or what they mean. You still got to go back in Moses, that's to say the law, and the prophets. Now, here's why. Yahweh set up a purpose right from the beginning. And I want you to know that the purpose has always been spiritual, not physical. The purpose itself is spiritual, meaning that it is spiritually discerned. And therefore, in order for Yahweh to demonstrate his purpose. Now, I want to throw one other thing that came to my mind. Dr. Kinley used to say that this thing ended before it began. Yeah. Now, now what that means, or what that's talking about is this. 
that Yahweh had already declared the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, he also said this. Dr. Kinley said there was, uh, uh, years ago, uh, the president of the, of the Institute, Dr. Carl F. Gross, had gotten on the floor in Los Angeles, and, say, and, and this was his testimony, that Yahweh is all in all and that's all. <laughs> then he sat down. Now, Dr. <laughs> Kinley got up after that, and this is what he said. Now, what Dr. Dr. Gross said is true. He said, but it has to be drawn out. Yes. Now, what I want you to know is Yahweh declared the end right from the beginning, but he has to draw the purpose out. It's got to be drawn out, which means it's got to be played out. Therefore, everything that has occurred, and I'm talking about in the angelic and the physical creation in the first three ages, is a manifestation of the spiritual purpose of Yahweh so that you could understand the purpose by seeing it demonstrated. Now on this chart at the upper left corner, we see that it says chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. Now salvation has never been about saving your physical body. Now I just got into this Wednesday night in the Syracuse class, because we were talking about Easter and the resurrection, that the world believes, and I was taught this as a Roman Catholic, that your body, your physical body, would be reunited with the soul down at the end. Okay. And, and that's what the world believes, that the physical body is going to rise. Now, we were taught that when Jesus resurrected on Easter, that he came out of there with a physical body. Dr. Kinley said, now that ain't the way it is. He said, Yahshua's body was consumed in that tomb, and he put it like this. He said it was ectoplasmatically dematerialized. That's the way he put it. He had to fulfill that the lamb had to be completely consumed before morning in the Passover supper. And Yahshua was the Passover lamb. So that body had to be dissolved in that tomb. Now when he resurrected... Out of that tomb, he came out a quickening spirit. Quickening means life-giving. The ability to give life to something that's dead. You can't give life to somebody something that's already alive. You give life to the dead. And I'm, that's another lecture. Now, what I want you to see is this. That what we understand is that you're not coming up now at the end with a physical body. And the whole scripture, and I got into this Wednesday night, we talked about Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, uh, with the Valley of Dry Bones. And I don't have time to get into this because I want to get down to a point in this, uh, this scripture. But you can go back and review that if you'd like. That that was played out with Ezekiel and that vision that was shown to him was not him putting physical sinews on your bones again and then having your body then resurrected physically so when the breath entered in. That was all types, shadows, and allegories. And what Yahweh was demonstrating that his purpose from the beginning was to bring a soul that was in a dead state back to a state of life and receive a new body for that resurrection of that, that soul from that state of death. Now, I'm saying that because I want you to understand that the whole Law and Prophets, I'm talking about the first age all the way through to the, down to the day of Pentecost, 
were manifestations of the purpose being played out in various stories and allegories that have happened that you read about down through your law and your prophets. Now, when we discuss and try to understand the purpose of Yahweh and how it works, and it's important to know how it works, it's one of our aims. One of our aims is to know, learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose. Operation means how it works, how it operates. Now, Dr. Kinley once said this, he said, if you ever catch on to how this thing works, he says, well, then you won't have such a hard time with it. Now, the idea is to catch on how the purpose works. The purpose is spiritual. It is not able to be seen with your natural eyes. So what Yahweh did when he set up all these things down through the law and the prophets, and I could start right with Adam if I, uh, uh, in reality, that with Adam, Yahweh sets up that whole story about uh, good and evil, the fall from uh, uh, the disobedience and then the subsequent fall to set up the show the how he is going to save your soul, not your physical body. And he has to show a fall that takes place. We also have to show, he has to show what is salvation and manifestation. So if we go to the next plate with the flood, that ark was a threefold structure that represents the, the, the operation of the unity of Yahweh, what we call the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, operating down before Pentecost in darkness. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, that, that, that vessel, that ark, was pitch black. Nobody could see inside of it. Mm. And when, the, when Dr. Kinley talked about that when the rain began to fall and the clouds in the sky completely blackened out the sun, that when that ark started to resurrect from the water that uh, had happened, that you wouldn't be able to see the ark in the darkness because it would blend right in and be obscured by the darkness of the sky. Now, what I want you to know is that the operation of the Godhead, or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, until the day of Pentecost, was obscured from man's understanding. Nobody knew the God, what the Godhead was in the first age, the second age, or the third age. Mm -hmm. It wasn't revealed yet. So what I want you to see is that Yahweh provided a way of escape an ark of salvation that at that point was obscured in our understanding only to be revealed later. Now here's what we have. That ark then finally, after it resurrects from the earth and floats on the water for a certain amount of time, it sets down at the top plate between the twin peaks of Mount Ararat to show that those twin peaks represent Michael and Gabriel or the Ark of the Covenant and the salvation lies right between those two witnesses. Mm. Now, we see that the purpose is being played out all the way down through, that Yahweh is manifesting various things. I, if I had the time, I'd take you right down through the book and show this to you. But what I want you to see is that we have to have Abraham in the next plate offering his only begotten son. Now, I know he had a son, Ishmael, but the son that was a, a, by promise, which was the one to receive the inheritance was the only begotten of Abraham and his wife, which is a member of his body, Sarah. Now, that sacrifice sets up that Yahweh is demonstrating that he will sacrifice his own son. 
And Abraham is a figure of the father and Isaac the son. And we know that when Isaac asked him, well, father, we got the wood, the fire, but where's the, where's the sacrifice? He said, Yahweh will provide himself a sacrifice. Therefore, Yahweh himself manifested in that body of Yahshua the Messiah and got right up on that cross with Yahshua the Messiah. That's right, that was Yahweh in Yahshua, and Yahshua at no time was ever forsaken by the Father. Now, he provided himself a sacrifice for our atonement, and therefore he's laying down by these stories principles of how he is salvation through mercy and through kindness and willing to even die for us. And, you know, we could just carry this all the way down through, but I want you to see that the Law and the Prophets, without you being able to look at these various stories and be able to extrapolate the spiritual principle behind each one of them, if you're not able to do that, you can't know anything about the purpose of Yahweh. Yahweh, it pleased him to demonstrate his purpose or draw it out, which was a spiritual purpose, by manifesting it down through the earth plane and physical uh, occurrences that happened down for those 4,000 years, demonstrating his purpose over and over again, only to be revealed after the day of Pentecost. And so... What we've got then is this. We're in perilous times, right? And what we see is that men shall be lovers of themselves, right? And, and, and covetous and all those other kind of things that we read about traitors. Having a form of, now the fifth verse says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So start reading at six. For of this sort are they who creep into houses and lead captive, Silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts. Read. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge now, of the truth. I'm sorry to say this. There are those right in our own ranks that are ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Dr. Kinley used to tell us this all the time. He said, now look. He said, I want you to know when we come down here, and they used to call where they had class in L.A. It was called 1040 because it was lo lo located at 1040 Grand Avenue. And we would be sitting in that room, and Doc said, I want you to know that we got both mysteries sitting down here at 1040. And I'm raising both of them up, he said, right here in this classroom. Mm -hmm. Now, there were those that were learning, and those that would never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Everybody was ever learning, but some of them came to the knowledge of the truth, and some did not. And that was by election. In other words, that Yahweh chose to reveal himself to them and reveal his spiritual uh, purpose and operation, and others were left with interpreting it as they saw fit and then distorting the truth by their theories, concepts, and opinions about what they thought was being said or what they read in their Bible. Now watch. Keep reading. Eight. Now as, as Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Now listen, wait, I want you to stop right there. This is important. Janies and Jambres were down there in the land of Egypt. When Yahweh sent Moses down with the witnesses, remember he told them to take the rod and throw it on the ground and it would turn into a snake? That was him manifesting one of the witnesses 
that Yahweh sent him down there with, because remember, he said, they won't believe me when I tell them. Well, I said, I'm going to give you these two witnesses. And they gave him the hand and the bosom, and it turned into, you know, uh, leprous, and then put it back in and came out clean again. But here's the point about that throwing down that rod. That rod was a figure of Yahshua himself. He is the rod that has sprung from the seed or the branch of Jesse. And the rod shows forth authority. And therefore, that rod was a figure of Yahshua, and when Moses threw it down, that's a type of Yahweh sending Yahshua down into the earth plane. Now, Moses is demonstrating his witnesses, and then Pharaoh, who was the mystery of iniquity, had his own witnesses, his magicians, that showed that they could do the same thing, that they could throw their rod down, and it would turn into a serpent. And then we know what happened. Moses' rod swallowed up their rod, their witnesses, in other words. So what I want you to see is the devil has learned how to use witnesses. Dr. Kinley emphasized the importance of using the scriptures for witnesses. Now, those scriptures can be applied correctly according to the purpose, or they can be distorted and perverted by theories, concepts, and opinions by the mystery of iniquity. Now, what happens is the truth has the power to swallow up those distortions. If you have an ear to hear. And Doc was always telling us that we had to sit in our chairs and discern what was being said from the floor. Because he said, I'm raising up both mysteries. It's your job to sit there and pay attention and discern whether it's truth or it's not. Now, watch. Keep reading. So do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Mm -hmm. but, they, they, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest un, unto all men, as theirs also was. Read. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, patience. Now listen, when he said you've known my doctrine... Paul said, I have delivered unto you that which I also received. Everything that he taught, that he was shown by Yahshua, he delivered unto those congregations. So that no, he wasn't hiding anything. He wasn't keeping anything uh, away from them. He told them, he told them that which Yahshua sent him in and showed him in his vision and then the subsequent revelation that was given unto him. Now, I want you to know that if we got something right and we are uh, uh, preaching the gospel, we don't have to be ashamed and worry about anybody not liking what we say or whether they're going to disprove it. Get up there. If you feel convicted and you got the witnesses, put it out. Put them out. <laughs> now, if you don't have any witnesses and you can't go the law and the prophets, I can only give you this admonition that Dr. Kinley gave. You have no business getting up there teaching something that is your theory or your opinion or your concept if you can't back it up in the Law and the Prophets. Now watch. Keep reading. Okay. But thou hast fully... Uh, okay. 11. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all... Yahshua delivered me. Read. Yea, and all that will live godly in Yahshua the Messiah shall suffer persecution. Anybody that is going to live in the in the uh, in the with the Holy Spirit in them in this 
after Pentecost will be persecuted. It's not a question if you'll be persecuted. You will be persecuted. Yahshua put it like this. He said, now listen. He said, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, they shall also call the servants devils. Now you will be persecuted for the truth. And you just have to get used to that. And that's something that is part of the, uh, comes with the territory. You want to be a servant of Yahshua and a minister, you are going to be persecuted. And if it was possible, the devil would put each and every one of us to death, just like he did with the apostles back there at the beginning of the age. You understand? We also are hated for his name's sake. Keep reading. But evil men and seducers shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's right. But, Great. But, con but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Now this is the antidote. This is the antidote from you getting, as it were, overcome and being uh, uh, taken away from or swayed away from the truth. You know, it's not easy for you to take a stand sometimes by yourself and be willing to challenge the world and have uh, more people against you than are with you. That's not easy, but let me say this. That's just the way Yahshua set it up. And we have to understand that here's the secret. And it's not a secret, but I'm saying that for this reason. We have to continue in the things that we have learned and been assured of. Now, what have we learned? We've learned how the purpose works. Dr. Kinley explained to us how Romans 119 and 20, our theme song, is the crux of showing us something about spiritual things. We have learned about the Old and New Covenant. We have learned what Yahweh says about the reverencing his name. We have learned through death, burial, resurrection, down through the scriptures. Blood, water, spirit, how the purpose is operating over and over again. All of these things we have seen adequate proof and witnesses for, and especially the tabernacle being the pattern of salvation. We've seen that ma the manifestation of that with the Day of Atonement. We have seen how Yahweh has set up the operation of his purpose, working down from pure spirit, most holy place, incorporeal, holy place, and court roundabout physical, and how he's operating a round trip. And he is bringing us back to where we originated from in, in the final conclusion. Now, the tabernacle, as Stephen called it, over there in Acts of the Apostles, he referred to it as the tabernacle of witness that our fathers had in the wilderness. Look, that tabernacle now is, the, is threefold, just like Noah's Ark was threefold, but it was in darkness. Now, the tabernacle, ladies and gentlemen, is something that is showing us a little bit more about salvation. That ark, all you know is you got inside and you didn't die in the flood. With the tabernacle, we have this aspect to it. We know that the tabernacle was actually shown to Moses on top of Mount Sinai before they worshiped the golden calf. It wasn't until the end of Moses' 40 days up there that the golden calf comes into play and Yahweh Elohim sent him out of that cloud. Now, he already instructed him on how to make that tabernacle. Now, in fact, we even say at the beginning of every class that Elohim 
transformed into that threefold and tangible tabernacle, then back into himself to show that the tabernacle was a physical example of him. He's the archetype original pattern. Now, we know that the tabernacle, from the standpoint of Israel's understanding at that time, was a place where he could, uh, where atonement for sin could be made for you so that you didn't suffer death because you sinned. That was a vessel of mercy and forgiveness of sin. Now, we're learning more about salvation. We learned about salvation with the threefold structure of the ark. Now we're learning more about the tabernacle, about how salvation works. And then, of course, we finally get to the land of Canaan, which is back there in uh, Mount Moriah. We have the temple built, which was a glorious structure. It was a structure that demonstrated glorification. And listen, all the precious stones that they put inside the temple, the rubies and the sapphires and the diamonds that were pressed right into the wall of the, of the temple, uh, Peter says that we are lively stones of the temple, showing that our glory is that we will be in Yahshua the Messiah, who the temple is a figure of Yahshua, in the at the time uh, representing him when he appears in all of his glory, where the tabernacle is a figure of Yahshua in the days of him being in the flesh, where he is covered over by badger skins and there's no comeliness about him while he's walking around physically so. But the time will come when he will appear in all of his glory and you are being put right within him as a lively stone. A stone, as Andy talked about, that's a precious stone that reflects light and that is a jewel. And that is you being a part of the, his inheritance and that is to share in his glory. Now, we see how those three structures represent manifestations of how the purpose is working. Now, people have read the Bible for centuries and never caught on to this, how this purpose works because it's hidden. It's a mystery. Now, that's why in Ephesians, let's go over to Ephesians, the first chapter for a minute. Keep your finger there. I'm not done in Timothy. Uh, let me get with you over there in Ephesians. Let's see here. Start at 7. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So we see that in the tabernacle, that the sacrifice had to be offered and the blood of the sacrifice had to be brought up into the holy place and then back into the, into the most holy place. And that was what was used to uh, cause uh, the atonement or the forgiveness of sins. So it's manifested by that tabernacle. Read in which he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. Which there it is. Purpose. Now he's making known to us the mystery of his will. Now if you look up the word will in Strong's Concordance, even in a dictionary, it will say purpose. That's one of the meanings of will, is his purpose. He has made known unto us, and this is obviously being spoken after the day of Pentecost, because nobody knew the purpose of Yahweh before Pentecost. Now, he has made known unto us the mystery of his purpose, 
according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, in another place, and I don't know where it is, so I'm not going to have you get it, it talks about it was hidden to the world, or in the it was hidden from the world. Now, what I want you to see is this, that under this new covenant now, we are actually having the purpose of Yahweh revealed to us that both the angels and the prophets search diligently to understand before the day of Pentecost. But it wasn't given to them to know at that time. Now on the day of Pentecost, when Yahshua opens it up, he's revealing it to both us and the angels. Now, what I want you to see here is this, going back over, because I see my time is very short, I want to go back over again to Galatians there because I want to talk about this. Uh, it talks about, uh, uh, let's see here, where, where do we leave off again? Okay, where you mean Timothy? Uh, Timothy, sorry. Yeah, we're at 14. All right. Now, uh, and we've been assured, uh, of, he said, continue in the things that you've already learned. Read 15. And, and that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now the Scriptures that he knew was not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Pauline epistles. Now I have heard tell that somebody uh, was discussing some controversy and the person, one of the persons tried to give witnesses in the Law and the Prophets and they were told that no, those things were before Pentecost. Hmm. Let me tell you, that was the purpose of the Law and the Prophets, to give witness to the things after Pentecost. Not just before Pentecost, but after. So, in other words, he says, he says here, uh, uh, and from the child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are the law and the prophets. Read. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Now, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, all those spiritual principles of Yahweh's purpose are hidden in a mystery back in the Law and the Prophets. Because everything has to be manifested in order for us to understand. It has to be drawn out and manifested. Now what he's doing is he's taking us back in the Law and the Prophets and he is showing us the operation of his spiritual purpose manifested by the tabernacle, manifested by the temple, manifested by Noah, Noah's Ark and all the other things that we work with. Keep reading. Make us wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Yahshua the Messiah. Mm -hmm. All scripture is given by inspiration of Now, Yahshua. Dr. Kinley corrected that. He said not all scripture is given by inspiration. It should read that all the scripture that is given by inspiration. Scripture simply means writings. Now, there was a, a, gr a group of books known as the Apocrypha books that are in the uh, Catholic Bible that are not divinely inspired. And although there are things in there that are accurate and true from an historical standpoint, they are not profitable for you to use for doctrine. Therefore, Dr. Kinley corrected it and said, all the scripture that is given by inspiration of Yahweh or the Holy Spirit, read, is profitable. Uh, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Read. That the man of Yahweh may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's what I want to try to say tonight. Once we leave the rule that the founder gave us 
approving what we teach doctrinally and otherwise out of the law and the prophets, we have now cut off our ability, if we no longer honor the, the, uh, that admonition and go to the law and the prophets, we are now subject to being deceived. Because where are your proof, where's your witnesses? Can it be based on somebody's intellect, somebody's deductive reasoning? No, we don't want that. And we used to say this when I first came into class. When you get on the floor, we don't want to hear your theories, your concepts, or your opinions. We want to hear what you can prove. That's what we want to hear when people get up and speak. We want you to show your witnesses, your proof for what you're saying. And if we all honor that and sit in the spirit of brotherhood with one another, when we have so-called controversies, we could sit down out with love and and discuss these things and go into the scriptures and try to reason these things out in the scriptures together. It doesn't have to cause us to hate one another, uh, yeah. to draw sides or any of those kind of things. Those are the things that the devil wants us to do. And all right. we have to do is do it the way the founder told us. And nobody, I, I will always listen to anybody that's going to tell me that something I teach, they don't go along with it, if you can correct me out of the scriptures. That's all I want. I don't want to hear your reasoning on it or your opinion about it. I want to hear where Yahweh has demonstrated those things by those manifestations down through the law and the prophets in context with the purpose. So I ran out of time. I hope that what I said uh, uh, will in, in, inspire you in some way. And I know that we as brethren pretty much uh, know that we agree on almost all of this, these Darius points are just going to be poor, certain points that we're not going to see eye to eye on. But if we're willing to sit down and civilly discuss it and use the scriptures and back it up, uh, I think that we can work out some of these differences. So with that, I want to thank you so much for attending tonight. I want to say I have enjoyed very much uh, our two speakers, our guest speakers tonight. I want to thank everybody for watching us on YouTube. And peace and Yahshua to all the brethren. And I'll turn it back to the moderator. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah.